0: Welcome in to another episode of the eSports Network podcast presented by eSports Network. I'm your host, Mitch and Today, I'm joined by two designers with HKS Studios. They're designing the new eSports offices for Team Vitality in Paris and also working with the Dallas Fuel. Chi Patia and Dustin Sweeney, both senior designers with HKS, one in sports entertainment and one focused on eSports. Chi and Dustin, thank you for joining me today.
1: Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks a lot, Mitch.
0: So I wanted to first start with what HKS is. So can you tell me a little bit about the design studio and what work you guys do normally?
2: Uh, HKS as a whole is actually you know, a large company of 1,500 architects, but uh, specifically she and I work uh, mostly in the sports entertainment division um, where we've developed large international projects. Uh, at least stateside, we've done uh, Dallas Cowboys, uh, Minneapolis, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. Working on the new large L.A. complex out in Inglewood, um, as well as a stadium out in Japan for the Ham Fighters there. Um, Fill in what I'm missing
1: here, Chi. Yeah, so internationally, Dustin's in our headquarters in Dallas. I'm in our London office. Um, Internationally, uh, the Perth Stadium, which is called the Optus Stadium, as well as the Royal Arena in Copenhagen are two built projects. Although it's in a, an American company, our international presence is growing and upcoming. Uh, we do a range of traditional stadiums, arenas, training complexes, as well as helping teams, team owners, investors, developers, sort of scale their buildings from a sports entertainment standpoint to generate revenue. So it's a mixture between sort of design, strategy, architecture, branding, uh, focused in sports entertainment. Yeah, definitely a big point
2: there is about, you know, optimizing our designs towards revenue generation so that uh, in the long run, what we're creating for ownership is something that uh,
0: generates wealth and not, you know, pulls from the bank. Yeah, definitely. So it's really interesting because esports has absolutely entered that realm of the sports and entertainment side. What was your first exposure to esports clients and esports projects?
2: Mm. On my end, it was uh, kind of a local connection or a close connection to our HKS office. Um, One of our uh, partnerships here actually led into meeting and introducing with the Dallas Fuel and and learning about their um, goals and and hopes for what they can achieve here in the Dallas area. Um, But prior to that, I had a couple of close friends who had been competing through some of the initial Halo tournaments. So I've been kind of following it, keep
1: my ear to the ground for quite some time. Yeah, for, for me, I, I grew up in, in Southeast Asia, in Singapore. And, you know, I played, uh, when I was younger, some of the, the larger, more common games. So I've kind of seen the growth of gaming as content consumption and transition into the eSports. But, but I think it was, it was seeing the growth in the U.S. through contact that Dustin made with Dallas Fuel and the sort of work happening in the U.S. to scale it. And I remember seeing the sort of Team Team Liquid Alienware facility and realizing, well, you know, this is a great example of how the sport can scale spatially. And then looking at the sort of UK-European market and then kind of following the money, to be very honest, and seeing how when there's Series A rounds of VC's, knowing that how they scale, a big part of that is going to be sort of team function business office and and branding spaces, so that was sort of my first interaction of realizing it's a big big vertical for our group for a new client database, but interestingly enough, we actually had traditional sports and entertainment clients, and a real estate developer approach us and say, you know, what is your experience with designing arenas or designing multi-purpose facilities for the, what they call the digital content sector, Mm. and esports being under that, so kind of a multifaceted approach.
0: Yeah, we're not quite to the place. There are some purely dedicated esports arenas, but right now, having facilities that can do multiple things, and esports being one of those things, is pretty pretty standard for a lot of the facilities being built. They're being built as parts of much larger sports and entertainment facilities.
2: Absolutely, uh, a lot of what we've seen is much what you were saying. You know, um, some of the the entry level things are you know the retrofit you know fix to to some underutilized spaces you know let's let's make sure that we can utilize as much as we can and generate a different source of revenue by hosting esports events um but you know at the end of the day that's you know that's a really good strategy for right now to kind of get get the ball rolling to get you know people in the door and understand that this has got a home um but i think the long play here is really trying to figure out you know what is that evolution you know it's not just a it's not just to come sit in your seat and watch and, and be entertained. it's How do we, you know, completely
1: change that environment to make it so it's so immersive that you feel like you're a part of the actual experience? Yeah, just on this topic, on a macro point, you know, our way of thinking and sort of internal R and D we've been doing as a global sports entertainment design studio is actually saying, if esports is only one event. Designing for the screen has taken us to create these immersive venues for any type of content. So. If you take distance learning uh, education programs, if you take Netflix comedy shows where digital content is a key part of, sort of you know Kevin Hart show or etc., or you take sort of product launches and you know how Steve Jobs perfected the, the screen behind his his own physical presentation, award ceremonies, you know a lot of different things, uh, product launches, all of these you utilize a the screen in a way to supplement that, and, and and that's been a really interesting journey from that multi-faceted approach of designing these immersive venues or digital venues rather than just esports arena.
0: Certainly. So you've told me that a lot of the details of the Team Vitality Studio in Paris are under uh, under lock and key because they it's still being built and it's still in the, the design mm-hmm. iteration phase. Um, but broadly, on a broad sense can you talk about some of the things that some of the key concepts that might be important when thinking about an esports facility. What do you really need to have?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, working on the Vitality project has been really eye-opening for us as as designers and, and architects to to work with sort of a, what you call an early stage startup, but also a, a technology company. To understand how their brand scales. Um, Details are still are still confidential, as you said. However, you know the, the location and the, and the release is out there, and it's the central location in Paris, off the high street, and 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 that just is a great little reference to how sports entertainment scales in Europe. That are pedestrian-friendly, high dense environments over kind of the approach that Dustin and, and the guys in the U.S. took with the growth of Dallas Fuel and some ideas there. That's more of a, a holistic facility that's you know similar to say an NFL stadium built in right. the sub-city with parking. And I think the the urban aspect and the retail aspect of, of scale is an important cultural shift spatially between sort you of know, growth, maybe in Europe and the UK over the U S and maybe the far East as well.
2: That's really right, interesting. Okay. Not, to
1: give too,
2: uh, not to give too much away with that. Just the, very much what she said, the scale of what the vitality project is, is going to be a, a I think a huge game changer when it, when it becomes released to the public. Um, just thinking about the whole what is an eSports facility,
1: what does that look like and, and what does that include um, will really put down some, some hard stamps on the ground as far as this is what this is what we see moving forward as being a yeah, successful we've venture been, for eSports. We've been, we've been using the words sort of reframe with this project. It's going to reframe how sort of the general public, whether you're an eSports fan or someone who has no idea about eSports but, but wants to get into something interesting are going to think about what is an esports team and and focusing more of a very important brand and, and seeing how that brand scales through various other aspects. Right,
0: right. What do you think having that physical venue facility in such a high traffic area like the heart of Paris, what do you think that does for a brand and team?
2: You know, it, it brings it to the, the kind of street scale, right? It becomes now more of a casual passerby interaction where, you know, someone who may not even know what esports is or what
1: video game, I mean, it's hard to say right now, who doesn't know what video games, but it still, it still exists, right? So having that casual encounter with a brand uh, creates such huge potential for, yeah, for new, the, new people. One of our favorite phrases, sort of core design principles for, for this project was taking vitality from digital to physical and you know it's a very literal point but taking a digital brand to a physical location allows uh existing fans and new fans to come in touch and feel the brand There's such a core aspect of i think how you create identity and fandom and you create a following and i think that's been one of Absolutely. our favorite aspects of of you know working with vitality's got me to understand how different each esports team is and they've really done an amazing job over the last five, six years to scale their brand and create this sort of brand value that that's hard to do without the effort and time that the co-founders and team have done. And they do have a pretty amazing following in, in, in Paris, in France, in North Africa because mm-hmm. of
0: that. Yeah, and I want to talk about the French esports scene a little bit more later. But as we talk about the physical venue, you mentioned a little bit, fandom is really created by in-person experiences and while esports didn't have a ton of those for a long time that as a traditional sports fan I think people really cement their fandom when they can go to the ballpark or they can uh, go to the pitch and they can watch their team play and so that's what esports has been missing a little bit is that real true in-person connection to a team and and a group
1: Yeah, I can I, I can tackle that one with a, with, a, with, a, with a totally agree with you, Mitch, there. And I think a way to validate that is, you know, human beings, we're, we're tribal, we like to talk to each other, touch, feel, interact, you know. Mm-hmm. And that socialization aspect is such a core part of how you have a headset on every time you play video games through, through a, a LAN system or network. And so the socialization is always consistent. You know, a lot of people have that perception that, Esports fans or gamers uh, are disconnected from the real world, but they're actually socializing. A lot of research about how that the talking with their friends or you know even strangers is a big part of the the reason to game and 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 play together. And I think this just allows and creates the community and environment for that to happen. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the big stereotypes. Sorry, I am just saying that's one of the big uh, stereotypes in gaming is that people think it's an anti-social experience when it's actually the, the complete opposite and you are almost in constant communication with other people.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and we've, we've had a few investors and and, and groups of, of sort of interested parties and entrepreneurs approach us to look at scaling what they're calling esports bars or uh, you could call it sort of we work for boot camp training and, you know. Land bringing back the land cafe uh, in a way that that creates more of a network model over a branded franchise that you know a hundred in the U.S. fifty in the U.K. that become another entity of the share economy. But free sports. Yeah, it's funny
2: cars. you mention that. Is that you know locally here? I don't know if I caught you up on that, Chi, but locally we've been talking to somebody in the states where they've opened a sort of kind of public training facility. Uh, it's 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 a a land center but um what they've realized is that they kind of struck on a bit of a gold mine where um six i think it's five or six the pro- local professional teams are now using the facility as their weekly pra- practice engagement yeah. so now they're trying we're, we're working with them talking through them you know how do we restructure this this built environment to actually really play host to that and actually become a vital uh, tool for your local ecosystem um and it's, it's really cool to see that you know build it and they will come and you know by by just happenstance that they built this great facility and
0: and uh these teams just happen to show up and they now come to rely upon that facility yeah that speaks to the lack of options available for a lot of people in this space right now
2: yeah i think the big thing too is it's just it creates that like we were all saying you know that next level bit of community for so long we've been kind of sequestered in our basement so to speak uh, talking over microphones and headsets and now we actually have this opportunity to come together and be next to physically next to one another and, and enjoying the same
1: experience experience but you know in a more physical environment I think the the other interesting aspect of why that why it's scaling those spatially into sort of physical environments is the fact that eSports if you picture eSports on the center of a page and you kind of bubble diagram, other industries that are embedded within eSports. You know, I'm looking at technology, music, engineering, the STEM, the science, technology, engineering, math, fashion, education, fashion, fashion merchandise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, sport, music, you know, the list goes on. And that all that's saying is, the reason you have all these brands and sponsors doing partnerships with these big teams is they're focusing on the demographic that are in the eSports bubble, but are touching all the other bubbles in these other industries, and, and that just gives you a bit of a, a hint as to how we're focusing on flexibility in a way that it's this immersive tech, technology-focused environment, that the lifestyle brand focuses on all these other aspects that makes it, it de-risks the, the aspect for investors, because now you're creating a sort of technology hub or an environment for all these other brand value aspects.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting, and the technology is so important. I imagine that's one of the key aspects of designing a studio like this and while new stadiums new traditional sports stadiums and sports entertainment hubs are obviously very tech heavy now there's another level to the technology required for an esports facility being that the playing field is literally online so can you talk about some of the differences in designing the big sports and entertainment hubs like you mentioned uh, working for the Dallas Cowboys the Minneapolis Vikings and now working in Los Angeles for the Rams or the Chargers? Sorry, I didn't know. Both. Both? <laughs> oh, yeah, they, are, they, are they playing yeah. together? Yeah, they're
1: going to yeah, share them. the same home.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that. I just, I
1: just that. came from, I was just in L.A. last week touring the site. It, it's amazing, so yeah. pretty exciting. And Yeah, it's a two-team facility.
0: Rams own it, and they're renting it to the Chargers as a tenant. Oh, I'm a Rams fan, so I didn't know we had to share our home. That's unfortunate, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, at least the we're the ones get, owning it, not renting and renting experience. it out. So I guess that's good for us.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, so well, I'll
1: give you an example to that yeah. point. Um, when we designed the Rams facility, we designed a, a video board called the Oculus. It's a two-sided halo video board that sits above the field. It's two-sided because if you're on the sort of uh, the upper bowl, you call the nosebleed, you have the best view of your screen. But when you're sitting lower in the bowl and you have a nicer view to the pitch, you can look up and see the inside face of the video board. And this allows us to sort of create different digital viewing experiences based on your physical location, as well as segmenting content from a production aspect uh, for game day and other concerts events that so you could like pizza slice the video board or sort of cheese wheel it in a way that you can pick and choose what part of the bowl gets what content, right? So it's targeted advertising. And that whole idea of like creating a physical environment that hosts digital content is a big part of esports. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. I'm up in the nosebleed, so I'm glad somebody's thinking about what we're seeing up there.
1: <laughs> but uh, back Best to your
2: yeah. back to your question on like technology, you know, as far as you know, yes, these large facilities that we work on currently all all are in, embedded with technology and streaming and all that. But you know, I think from a core. Uh, Facility standpoint for an esports venue or esports facility of any type, you know, we esports e- teams and those franchises have come from the digital world. They're already creating content in the digital world, meaning, you know, they're streaming, they're creating content, they're, they're already, you know, making Instagram and Snapchat posts and everything else. So they already understand that back end side of brand development on what it takes to create your story. And they need environments to support that. So any facility that, you know, moving forward needs to absolutely support any kind of that content creation. So, you know, whether it's a soundstage or other kind of green screen environments or no matter where you go in every corner of this aspect needs to be able to support that production. Where I think, honestly, the larger uh, larger sports facilities have some catching up to do with that, right? They They started, you know, many decades ago. And now they're trying to figure out what it means to create content for their team You know, as a large brand. They already have an established brand story, but they're kind of catching up to the whole content creation idea of what it means
0: to be this kind of fully digital and physical brand. Certainly. And that's so crucial now to meet fans where they are, which is so digital. And for traditional sports, it changes so quickly that it can be hard to keep up and be like, well, we're... We were always the most popular, but you actually have to change your thinking, even though you're so big and so popular, you still need to be constantly uh, evolving with this digital world. Absolutely. I don't want to get too far into the intricacies of the, uh, the Vitality Studio, which is why I think uh, this might be a tough, tough area to dive into. But one thing I'm interested in going back to a little bit what we talked about earlier was, you know, creating those in-person commun- uh, community experiences. I don't know, and let me know if you can't answer this. It's fine. But is there a public-facing part of the Vitality Studio where you, people can walk in off the street and experience the brand a little bit?
1: Just to keep things more exciting, I'm going to decline to answer that. But I will. I will. <laughs> Respond in a way that, or respond in a way that it's it's positive to this conversation, and I think that's a big part of the social thinking that we discussed earlier. That it is the only way this this sport or vertical is going to scale because the demand is there to, to find these spaces uh, to interact and, and touch and feel the brand. I think how that happens is going to become more unique. And when I say unique, I mean, I'm going to use this analogy. If you're an American football fan or a tennis fan, you're very different people on average, and you're both sports fans, right? So we as a group of people understand that a table tennis fan or a tennis fan are different, right? But with eSports, people's knowledge in general and the way the industry's grown, people still think all eSports fans are the same. They just like video games, but... Mm -hmm. I think most of us now know that those who like Madden and FIFA don't like League of Legends on average. And that is going to take time to grow and learn because that's how each brand, each esports team as a brand is going to scale uniquely to what games they have a following to and what games they're playing in. And also the cultural aspect, right? So the way you're going to scale in Europe is going to be different in China or in India or in America. And so you're going to start creating sort of very unique clusters of how each team is growing. And people are going to start realizing that it's not its not every esports team can't scale in the own way. I'll use I'll use traditional football as an example, where like FC Barcelona have historically had a culture of, of creating a grassroots sort of uh, youth training system that creates a culture and a mentality. But other football clubs don't have that, right? Because it's a cultural thing of how the club has scaled over time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's probably the best way I've ever heard. Had anybody decline to answer a question but still answer it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Well, well done, G. Well done. <laughs> it
0: was. It was. It was impressive. Just. Just enough right there. Um, and it's you get to one of my biggest gripes as an esports content producer is that people say, "Oh, you do esports," and you wouldn't say that to a traditional sports person who's focused on, say, basketball, and you're like, "Okay, go go cover cricket," but. I do feel yeah, exactly. the need Yeah, I feel the exactly. need to know every single esport out there and it gets tough because I, I mean I have the games I play and I'm obsessed with and the games I watch but I don't know much about the fighting game community and people will come to me like what do you think of the new Street Fighter five? Like I don't know. Like, don't you do esports? Right. Like, yeah, right. but not that one. So yeah, that's yeah, that'll
1: just take time. That'll just take time. I agree. It's
0: definitely
2: one of the biggest things, you know, we've we've been focusing on is you know uh, I, I guess yeah she said it best I mean each one of these games is its own fan base its own fandom and to have a facility to have any kind of environment that supports one if not more than one uh, of those game types and the, those fan bases is going to be you know a really unique solution and a really uh, great thing for, for the community as a whole to be able to, to adjust to each one of those.
0: Yeah, and e-sports, so
1: organizations,
0: is, you know, sorry, yeah. Uh, esports organizations are so unique so just, because in traditional sports, teams compete exactly, in one yeah. sport, but esports organizations have teams in nine different sports, so you have the challenge of creating a venue that caters to all these different demographics of people all under one brand, which is something that doesn't happen in traditional sports. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, exactly, and now we're trying to, you know, make it more clear to teams and and. And also developers, again, I'm going to preface real estate developers, but maybe also game developers about how to create environments bespoke for their content, which is the type of eSport, right? So why would a, why would a League of Legends ideal bespoke arena be the same as a FIFA arena, right? The way you can watch the game as a spectator and how quick the game is is gonna evoke a whole different spectator experience, socially from your seat, the digital content. And and, and that's kind of get where it gets really exciting.
0: Yeah, now you have the battle royale genre which adds a whole logistical challenge to do we really need to get ways for 100 different people or 70 different people to <laughs> compete at the same time, which is just so much different from other esports experiences. So it gets so complicated. Absolutely, yeah.
2: Yes, yeah, my Infrastructure background—that's, I mean, just puts a whole other layer on the entire cake.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so we won't get too far into that, but I did want to go out to Paris in general and uh, where the different hubs of esports are in Europe. And Berlin—it really starts in Berlin for a lot of it—and then London has a decent amount of esports presence. But Paris is growing pretty quickly, and I feel like this team, Vitality Studio, is really a huge step for the city. To cement itself as one of the key places for esports in
2: Europe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is sort of part of you know our own learning curve to understand where these hubs of hubs of esports excellence are. I know um, in Paris is also PSG trying to grow their esports from a traditional sports angle. Mm-hmm. Um, I also know that the Overwatch. Uh, The Overwatch team in Paris who actually has links back to us from a traditional sports entertainment standpoint because it's owned by the previous owners of the Dodgers.
0: Oh, that's um, right. That's interesting.
1: So it's just giving you a little understanding on on how I think it's also following the sort of global model of of money moving across sort of foreign investment. Um, And Paris Eternal is is a good example of that. but yeah, I think, you know, it was it was new to me to see that growth and and I think it'll like you said, the Vitality Studio will definitely definitely put a sort of larger larger flag uh on Paris as like a one of the other centers of excellence for esports.
0: Definitely. It's it's the field of dreams mentality. If you build it, they they will come because the esports fans in Paris yeah. have been there and they probably have been missing out on some of the physical venues that other cities are developing, but You know, right now, we're still in the early stages of developing. There's stadiums being announced every month, it feels like. Philadelphia is getting a new one. Uh, There's one built in New York right now or designed in New York. Uh, So it's it's just so interesting how many different facilities are in the works and being built up to give physical homes to this previously very digital um, phenomenon.
1: Yeah, and I I think one thing to preface for us is, some of the, and maybe Dustin can allude to part of the design journey with Dallas Fuel and Envy, but we've had a lot of approaches, and a lot of people want to find out information about how they can put some level of eSport or something along those lines in their building. And and so we've created a a far more simpler way to do this because we have a strategic advisory lens to our skill set, and we have introduced a disciplinary team of people from a real estate Branding, good analytics standpoint, you know, my background's in architecture and business. Uh, Dustin comes from an industrial design background, too, so we are providing consultancy services to actually help a lot of developers, investors, teams, trying to figure out what they want to do and how to scale esports into the spatial world. And, and often it's, it's more of an idea of, of a one-year, two-year, three-year plan uh, that's usually more beneficial, the, the scale with the industry, instead of saying, let's build an arena in two months.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that that's a good point that you got to be a little uh pragmatic I guess about how you want to think about this because there are so many different moving parts between the logistics, the different teams. You don't want to do something too quickly and then be like, "Oh, wait, we didn't account for whatever random variable there is out there." There yeah,
1: because you have no precedent. You have no precedent, mm-hmm. right? And 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 a good real estate investment or a business case usually has precedent or a lot of analytics behind it. You don't have that here. You need to maximize your cash flow using using uh, different functions of the space or have a clear strategy on what you're trying to focus on what and what the demand is. There's a lot of like design thinking there to understand what you want to do first, define it, instead of just picking up a pencil and designing it. Yeah, and a lot of the current you know, thinking and strategy
2: around it that we've seen at least announced and in, 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 in the industry is just thinking, unfortunately, as esports is just a, another event type in a multi-purpose venue. And um, I think um, it does esports a little bit of a disservice <clears throat> as a whole just because the esports community and the ecosystem that surrounds it is, is so much larger than just one event type. And to, to boil it down to, oh, we're just going to have, you know, this many uh, eSports events in our, our brand-new uh, performance venue uh, it doesn't, doesn't help uh, what I think the eSports community is really yearning for, which
0: is a, a full-service sort of facility that supports every aspect and every angle of what it means to be, you know, an eSports fan and also an eSports either content producer or, you know, uh, or any kind of, you know, involvement with that entire ecosystem yeah and I think it definitely helps that you both have some long-term esports experience coming into this Uh, it's something that few people have with uh, Chi with you being in Singapore and seeing you know some of the games I imagine Starcraft was probably pretty big um, as you were growing up and Dustin with you as an old school Halo guy I think having an increased exposure to esports allows you to see how it's grown and that's so important with Predicting where it will go from here. Would you agree? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's... No, I, I definitely agree. I think it's...
1: Uh, I think I take being in Singapore when I was younger for granted because it's just a no-brainer for me knowing the passion that it used to be back then when I was a teenager. Um, and, you know, the fact that that demographic is my age now tells me that that's a, that's a demographic who still has some sort of affection to the sport and the content and it's a hobby and therefore there's propensity to spend in discussion income to try to sort of create that experience again and in, in a more sort of adult environment. So, you know, the food and beverage aspect and socialization aspect and membership to belong to a, to a community is, is exactly that. Yeah, I remember, you know, I guess, quote unquote,
2: way back when, right? When you start to first hear about, you know, Halo tournaments that were paying out money. And it's like no way. And, and then you start to hear, you know, close friends or or neighbors down the street who are or you're going with and and attending these events, and you're seeing people actually compete. You know, granted, it was on a much smaller scale than what we're seeing today, but um, still, you know, that that thought of wow, there's actually a competition and there's other people that, that see just as much potential, and then now to see that bit of growth, just you know, explode into what what we have today, and what what we can kind of see in the near and long t- long term future as far as how esports and
0: competitive gaming is, is moving It's just insane. For sure, and I think there's a there's a wow moment that happens for every single esports fan when they finally do get that in person experience for the first time, and it hits you. Oh, like when it's when you're just watching on TV, it's very easy to you know there's not usually massive arenas, and there there are, but it doesn't quite have the same grandeur as uh, traditional sports, but once you finally visit an event in person, you feel the energy, and you realize just sort of what esports is, and you know how much uh, momentum is behind it, and what it's going to be in the future if you can, if you can capture this energy appropriately.
1: Yeah, I think one one thing I want to add is, as I've spent more time in the last six nine months in this world, is I've started to be more blunt about separating esports and gaming. I think people Hmm. forget that gaming is still a thing. It's been a thing for a while and it's already a big, big market, you know, one of the largest content that's consumed. And if I were to take a punt at, you know, how esports is scaling, actually I think gaming is going to scale first on a more sort of worldwide scale. For example, say you have an event space in in a mall or a civic building, If there's an activation event for FIFA or a game that's fairly popular that's not competitive, you can bring food, music, art, etc. and make that an event that's going to build your fan base. And because esports has gotten so high, gaming has also grown with it. And it's become more okay to go out on a Saturday and do something related to gaming. Yeah, it's no longer a, uh, <laughs> a bad thing to sit, sit and do
2: video games all night, right? It doesn't have the same bad kind of issues
1: once one Exactly. And I think gaming, like esports, is competitive esports, create a vacuum for, for gaming to fly into to make it socially acceptable, to Dustin's point. And that's a lot of brand activation and basically event activation that actually has a wider net than competitive esports, right? So if you can get a Mario Kart fan, for 20, 20 years to go out on a Saturday and do something Mario Kart related, you've done that because you realize actually there's a market for people having an affinity to gaming and esports. Right? They haven't done that
0: prior. Yeah, I love video game bars. <laughs> They're the most fun. Uh, you got the old school GameCube or Nintendo 64s and you can play Mario Kart while, while having drinks. It's, uh, it's That's my preferred Saturday night experience, personally.
2: And it has been for a lot of people for for many years, but it's always you know up until you know our, the most recent history, it's been sequestered in our you know friend's basement, right? And now, mm-hmm. now because it, it, this enigma, this this thing that is is garnering a lot of attention, it, we're coming out of the dark, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, and every every day it feels like the stigma is being lifted. I mean, just uh, just yesterday, Jordan Brand is in Fortnite. With their air or with the Jordan ones on Fortnite characters, and that's not esports related. That's just a gaming activation for Jordan Brand. So you can really see, you know, two years ago there's no chance Jordan puts their their thing on a something with a stigma. But that's a direct uh, credit to how how much the stigma has been lifted over the years. That now they feel like that's something where they need to hit people and it's going to do way more positives than negatives. And I don't think that was true even, you know, a year or two ago.
2: I think it's really interesting to see how um, brands are, are realizing what that activation on in in any game uh, really does for, for their brand audience um, to show that they have that sort of... Uh, technical aptitude to be able to be a part of that system is is really strong and really uh, impressive um the one the when <laughs> marshmallow held a concert in fortnite my i think my jaw hit the ground i was like finally someone did it you know i've been thinking yeah. about it like who's going to be the first to do this and,
0: and when i saw that headline come across i was like someone finally gets it it was genius it was genius activation one of yeah. my favorite uh video game events that's ever happened actually uh. yeah it got me back on Fortnite, even though I'd quit playing. I was like, "All right, <laughs> oh, I'll do this." <laughs> so that's your yeah, question.
1: You you have, Sorry, go ahead. You should have performed live at the same time. You should have performed live at the same time.
0: Oh yeah, that would yeah. have been that would have been insane, actually,
2: huh? Uh, I think
1: that blurring, how- I think it's blurring, blurring, the digital um, and physical is sort of my my most interesting aspect yeah. of tackling this because I feel like. I feel like if you nail that, that becomes you know you're you're basically tripling the audience. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Riot's done a great job of that videos. with some of their the way they use AR in the, in their physical venues and then having um, they had that K-pop song with the League of Legends Worlds last year uh, that yeah, so was mm-hmm. yeah they performed it in the physical venue but they also had that digital one that's viewed it's got over like a hundred million views or whatever it is and so they're they're doing a great job at blurring those lines in their physical events. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's everything, that's every topic I wanted to cover with both of you, but I want to give you the chance, if there's anything we didn't talk about, uh, obviously you can't say a ton about the Vitality Studio, but if there's anything we didn't talk about, I want to give you the chance to uh, have an open mic and, you know, plug HKS.
1: Yeah, I have have one thing that's kind of a question to you know whoever listens to this or is is in the esports world is is one thing from from our aspect that i feel is if you take the traditional sports entertainment aspect a big part of a venue is is how it operates and the content that goes in it one thing that i found that's lacking out there is is someone who can help define an esports calendar or a gaming calendar for a year, two years, three years and I, it's a kind of difficult question because you know content's going to change and leagues going to change and types of franchise tournaments are going to change but that's going to be a big part of, of defining how to create a matrix of what is your primary top three, top five events what types of events in a facility at whatever scale whether it's 100 seater 200 seater or 5,000 seater and I think that's something that I'm curious about if you know, even for open for discussion with you two is, is I find that a really important aspect for, or anyone who can really do that
0: yeah, it's that's a great example of there not being precedent of we just not exactly sure what events will bring what draw out to a physical venue and that's you know, something that is gonna be discovered only through um, only through stadiums and arenas and facilities like the ones you all are designing. Totally. I
2: think uh I mentioned this to She before we got on the call, but um you know, last night kinda of sprung out of bed and it it's just a kind of a Rick hit me in the head, it felt like, but uh, we've all maybe, maybe, maybe not have seen the kind of quote from, um, I'm not sure if it was Johnny Ives or, or Steve Jobs, but, you know, when he first released the iPod, um, he, he boiled it down to, you know, it's a thousand songs in your pocket, right? And it's that moment, it's that mentality, that thinking of, it's 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 not about creating a an arena for esports not about it's about redefining what it means to
1: to what this environment means. And I think HKS is pursuing that. I, I can't say that we've found our thousand songs in our pocket statement yet,
2: but we're definitely striving as hard as we can to figure out what it means to create environments, uh,
0: holistic environments for for the eSports community. Yeah, it's something that um, is just being undertaken right now and HKS is definitely one of the leading companies. In developing and designing some of what are going to be flagship uh, esports facilities so it was exciting to talk with you both about you know the work HKS yeah, is the, doing
1: Yeah, yeah we appreciate it. The, the, the other way that just one last thing that's kind of funny to, to Dustin's point is you know someone said you know everyone loves the content is king context is queen and I kind of joked it and said if content is king you know what are your castles and forts look like mm-hmm
0: that's that's because funny. That's really scale. cool. I've never i right. never yes. heard, heard yes. Of that.
1: And and it's it's kind of adding to maybe another layer to this. But you know, it, it's it's any scale. It's if you're in a room with screens, you could argue at the esports arena, or you're in a ten thousand
0: seater, a hundred thousand seater. And I think it's just how that's going to be defined and framed. That's exciting. Yeah, my little podcast studio is is like a little one man outpost out on the border. It's just like hi, I'm um, <laughs> The, the castle's that way, guys. I'm I'm here though. Um, yeah. So, hey, it was great talking with you both. I really enjoyed that conversation. I think we covered a lot of really interesting topics um, in the sports versus esports and the design. Uh, one final thing, if I, again this might be something you can't talk about, but what's the timeline for Team Vitality? Is there do you have a projected date that you want it to be open?
1: Yeah, so things are ongoing, and it'll be open uh, later this year.
0: Oh, cool. Oh, cool. So I'll have to start figuring out how I'm going to get back over to Europe and uh, come check it out in person.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, The podcast goes up. We're recording this Thursday at noon, and it'll be live Friday at noon. So if you're listening to this, uh, it's topical. We just recorded it, and if something massive happens in the next 24 hours... I didn't know about it. So my bad. <laughs> uh, Thanks, yep. Cool. Thank Thanks you. A lot, Mitch. Bye. So that was cheap. Patia, the senior designer for HKS London offices focused on sports entertainment, working with things like uh, the massive sports complexes, like in Los Angeles, in Dallas, and I'm sure plenty of other things that we didn't get the chance to mention. And the other voice was Dustin Sweeney, who is the senior designer for HKS, but based over in America, and he is leading the charge of esports development in America. It sounds like his two main projects are working with the Dallas Fuel, and Dallas turning into an esports hub. You have the GameStop Performance Center opening up, uh, attached to Jerry Jones World, which it sounds like they had a hand in developing. I didn't get to flesh out that connection, so maybe I'll have to have them back, but... Dallas really turning into a huge place for esports in the United States. And now Paris as well with Paris Saint-Germain having a Rocket League team and some other... Oh, who else does Paris Saint-Germain have? I know they have a Rocket League team. They might have like some Fortnite players. Um, Let me me look it up real quick. Let's see. Oh, wow. Okay. So Paris Saint-Germain has FIFA, which makes a lot of sense. And they also have Dota 2, the Dota 2 team. So that's cool. They're not quite into the... Biggest, they also have Mobile Legends Bang Bang, which is a a mobile game that I've heard about, but I have absolutely no knowledge about, so I, I should maybe check that out a little bit. But yeah, so that makes sense for their games. They are one of the largest football clubs in the world, and they have FIFA, the football game, Rocket League, which is soccer with cars, and Dota 2, which is sort of random, but not quite into the biggest esports like Overwatch, League of Legends yet, but probably one of the more fleshed out uh traditional football clubs barca barcelona who we talked about a little bit also has a rocket league team real madrid has developed a real madrid sorry real madrid fans if you're gonna get mad at me for saying it like that uh also has a part an esports part in their new facility they've just uh, announced which is absolutely stunning at least the renderings of it are and uh, you've also got teams like fc schalke schalke oh i don't know how to say that one um who are who are deep into esports and FC Copenhagen also has an esports team, so yeah the the football clubs in Europe are are really leading the way in a lot of cases, um, but so are organizations like G Two and Team Vitality. Who G Two based out of uh, Berlin and now Team Vitality going to make their home in Paris, France, and try to be, you know, the leading esports team in. France, which would be a you know a huge win for their uh, for their organization so he said uh the team vitality studio and you know he wouldn't answer if there's a public facing uh, facility but it sounded pretty pretty clear that there was at least some option to the public so i feel fine telling you that hey when this opens go check it out because you can at least probably go inside before somebody kicks you out so <laughs> uh that's cool uh, and that's all for this podcast. Uh, coming up next week, we have the Nielsen podcast, which I have teased multiple times now, but my computer is finally fixed, and I've finally been able to get the data off of it. And so we will talk about Nielsen and how they track esports versus sports viewers. And I think I'm also going to go for an updated uh, Tifu versus Banks podcast, which is the lawsuit that I covered with Terrell Skelly earlier this week. Uh, it is has just developed ever since we we did that podcast, and then FaZe Banks released a 20-minute emotionally-driven video that his lawyers probably hated, and Tifu just yesterday released a video asking FaZe Clan to release the contract to show everybody what it is, and that contract leaked out this morning. We haven't confirmed if that leak is correct, but the contract, if true is exactly what Tifu said it was. So I'm thinking I want to bring on Terrell back and we could talk about more of these developments and we'll probably wait for hopefully the last domino to fall because I think we kind of jumped the gun with the last one. Tried to give you an idea of the situation as it was developing. Um, but obviously we were missing some of the cru- de- cruel, crucial details. Uh, so look, be on the lookout for that one and for Nielsen in the coming days. And as always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Chi and Dustin from HKS Studios who are developing for Team Vitality and the Dallas Fuel.